You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Today marks what? Palm Sunday, but the beginning of what? Holy Week, right? Holy Week. And, and uh, you know, uh, we call today the first day, like lots of times people don't think of Sunday as the beginning of the week because it's not the beginning of the work week because our identities are so tied up in our jobs, you know? But, um, but man, Sunday is such a better day to start the week, isn't it? Because we can refresh our identity and community in Christ. And uh, I just love that about beginning the week on Sundays. And so um, this day is called Palm Sunday traditionally. And it's uh, Holy Week is when Christians worldwide take time each day to remember Jesus' journey to the cross. To the cross, right? The path that he walked And most of all, how he walked it, right? How he walked it. Uh, Palm Sunday is in commemoration of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem for Passover. So we've been recently talking a lot about prayer, but I want to just review the... I want to do a quick overview of, of the life of Jesus, just because... We haven't been in the narrative specifically of Jesus. And so um, just in review, Jesus was born to a virgin woman named Mary who God's spirit came upon and made her pregnant. Uh, From an early age, Jesus was baffling teachers, right, Um, uh, of the teachers of the law with his understanding of Scripture. And as Jesus grew into a man, it became more and more clear that there was something different about him. Before Jesus began his ministry in his 30s, he spent 40 days out in the wilderness fasting and praying, right? Satan came to tempt him in many ways, but Jesus overcame the temptations and soon after began his public ministry. And in a short period of time, Jesus gathered 12 disciples that he poured his life into, and many more followers would come, and Jesus healed the sick. He cast out demons and taught his followers how to do so in his name, right? And and he performed many miracles, like feeding thousands of people on a couple of occasions out of minuscule amounts of food, right? And and another miracle, calming a violent storm just with the sound of his voice, right? Jesus called out the Jewish religious leaders that were living in hypocrisy, which they did not like. Who likes to be called out? Not many people. They were living in hypocrisy, and in doing so, they were leading people astray from God's intentions. And many people thought that Jesus was the Messiah, and Messiah is just a word for Savior, right? So when we say the word Messiah, we mean Savior. And and, uh, so many people, many Jewish people thought that Jesus was the Messiah, the one who would free Israel from Roman rule. 
But Jesus didn't publicly affirm his identity as the Messiah until towards the end of his earthly life, right? He never came out and said it until he was facing the cross when the time was right and the scriptures would be fulfilled. Because of this, the Jewish religious leaders plotted to have Jesus arrested and killed because they thought there is no way that this man who was disrupting everything that they had built was God's chosen Messiah, God's chosen Savior. There's no way this disruptor is the Messiah, right? Jesus has been very open with his disciples that he has come not to wage war on Rome and to take on an earthly throne, right? But to be a sacrifice and claim his heavenly throne. Right? Jesus didn't come to wage war. He came to be a sacrifice. And he wasn't interested in any earthly thrones. He just wanted the throne that his father had for him. Right? And no matter how plainly Jesus tells them this, the disciples just don't quite get it. Who can relate? Like, I... I have a hard time, um, I have dyslexia and ADHD, and so sometimes my wife can tell me things as plainly as she can, and I still get it backwards, right? I can so, like, as much as I hate to admit it, I can really relate to the disciples sometimes, like, especially in, you know, Peter's, like, um, passionate moments where he, like, cries out something, you know, and, and I'll never uh, disown you, Jesus. And, and, and Jesus is like, yeah, just, just, just wait, you know. Like, I can relate to the disciples so much sometimes. And, and it doesn't matter how much com- Jesus comes out and says it plainly. They just don't recognize it because it's so far from what they have pictured in their heads, Right? So this sets the stage for Palm Sunday. Confusion over who this Messiah, this Savior, really is and what he has come to do. Is he the Messiah or is he just a madman or a rebel, right? Uh, Come to disrupt the status quo, right? Who is this man? Who is this one they call the Messiah? And all the while, behind the scenes, the Jewish religious leaders are looking Uh, for the right opportunity to have Jesus killed. We pick pick up Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem in Mark 11. And and, uh, Abby already read this passage, but we're going to just go over it one more time real quick. Um, Mark 11, verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Beth... (laughs) I should have... Figured out how to pronounce that word. Anybody know? Bethphage? Bethphage. There we go. And came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, uh, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it. And we'll send it back here shortly. 
They went and found the colt outside in the street, tied, to, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to do, and the people let them go. Side note, it's really amazing how many times Jesus says something so specifically in the scriptures, and then the disciples, like, like go and 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 do it and it and it plays out just like Jesus like I, I know that's like a common theme throughout throughout the New Testament especially the gospels and stuff but it just never like there's a passage in in later in Mark where he tells the disciples to go find a guy holding a jar of water and I'm always just like why a jar of water? Like, that's very specific, you know? Like, I just, I love how, how Jesus gives them the, the information that they need. Um, and, and so go, go find this colt. And if anybody bothers you, just say the Lord has need of it. I just, I love it. Uh, when they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields, also known as palms. Those uh, who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to, into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So here, here's my question. Have you ever thought why palms? Why, why were they waving branches out of everything? You know, Teresa gave me this palm in the shape of a cross, which is amazing. Like, this, this is really cool. Thank you, Teresa, for this. Um, have you ever thought of why, why there were waving palms? Because I'll be honest, I really hadn't thought too much about it. <laughs> Out of everything people could have done to honor Jesus' arrival into the city, why palms? Why palms? Well, as it turns out, there is some historical significance uh, for the Jewish people behind the symbol of palms, and it's with this symbol that they're making a very direct statement. They're, they're, they're saying something with these palms. 150 years before Jesus, there was a Jewish military hero named Judas Maccabeus, and Judas Maccabeus led the Israel uh, victory over the Syrian dynasty, which followed Alexander the Great. And the crowds celebrated his victory by waving palm branches. And to commemorate the victory, Judas, also known as the Hammer, like, I want that nickname. Can I have that nickname? Jason the Hammer, right? Like that, I mean, but, but also... Yeah, Judas the hammer. So uh, they, they waved palm branches and commemorate, to commemorate his victory. And in, also in commemoration, they stamped their coins with palm branches. Their, co their coins, their money, they had palm branches stamped on them. And so from then on, symbolizing 
uh, those palms, that palm, that waving of palms symbolized this victory for the Jews over their oppressors, over their oppressors. So when the people began waving palms and throwing them at his feet, it wasn't so much to honor the Savior Jesus actually was and who he has said repeatedly that he is, It was, in, it was because of who they thought he was, right? It, it's, it's because of who they have associated the title Savior with, right? All these things he was teaching, and they still don't get it. It was because of what they thought being a Savior meant, and what they thought he had come to do for them, which was freeing them from Roman rule, freeing the Jewish people from their oppressors. But they took little notice of what was right in front of them because they were holding so tightly to what they wanted to believe. A great warrior or a king would have come into the city on his most prized stallion, right? The one that would communicate to the people how great he actually was, right? But Jesus came riding in on a lowly, borrowed colt of a donkey, The crowd was honoring him now, but that's the thing about crowds. They're fickle. They're fickle. And when, and, and when Jesus didn't meet their expectations of what this Messiah, this Savior, meant, this same crowd of people under the influence of the Jewish religious leaders would, would be shouting, crucify him, crucify him, very soon. Because the war that Jesus had come to wage wasn't against Rome. It wasn't against anything even remotely flesh and blood at all. It was a spiritual war that could only be won through a perfect sacrifice. That would give humanity the ability to be forgiven of all their sins and stand in right relationship with God. So in a moment, we, like, shortly we are going to take communion together. We're going to have an opportunity to take communion. But here's what I want to ask you. Even in our culture today, it's so easy to begin to see Jesus as we want to see him other than he actually is. I want you to ask yourself, is there anything I am adding to Jesus? Just take a moment and, and sit with that question. Is there anything adding to Jesus.
have I confused a cultural, generic love for the love, the self-sacrificing love of Jesus? John 15, 12 through 17 says this, This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father has told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produced lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for. Using my name, this is my command. Love each other. Have I confused a cultural, generic love for the love of Jesus? We now braid these palms in a cross to signify the road that Jesus walked and that his, <laughs> his goal, he didn't come to wage war. He came to bring grace. He came to bring freedom from sin. He came to bring peace with God. He came and gave his life on the cross so that we could stand in right relationship with God again. And so I'm going to ask Abby to come back, and she's going to play some soft music. And, and uh, I feel like it's really important that since we don't have a Good Friday service scheduled, that we just go over the narrative of the cross. And so I want you to get comfortable. I want you to um, close your eyes if you want to, but I'm going to read this passage in Luke, the account of, of Jesus going to the cross and the grace that he went there to provide. And even on the cross, in this account, he is still forgiving people. He's still offering forgiveness. So I want you to get comfortable as we read through this. Luke 23, beginning at verse 13 in the NLT. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and all the religious leaders, along with the people, and he announced his verdict. He brought this man to me, accusing him of 
leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. So I will have him flogged and then I will release him. And these same people who shouted Hosanna, Hosanna meaning save us, save us now. In verse 18, then a mighty roar rose from the crowd. And with one voice they shouted, kill him and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was in prison for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government and for murder. Pilate argued with them because he wanted to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he demanded, why, what crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence him to death. So I will have him flogged and then I will release him. But the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. As they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder. But he turned Jesus over to them to do as they wished. In verse 32, it says this. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified one on his right hand and one on his left hand. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know they don't know what they're doing. The soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed and they he saved others, he said. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. Verse 39, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
Verse 43, and Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. By this time it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down in the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last breath. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, He worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. This is what we commemorate commemorate when we take communion the broken body and blood of Jesus Christ, the one who gave himself up, the perfect one who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sin and for our shame and so that we could be washed clean and stand right in God's sight again. So I'm gonna pray and after I do, I wanna invite you to come and take your communion elements and bring them back to your seat and just savor this precious moment with God. Let this set the tone of your holy week. Remembering the Savior that didn't come riding in on a show stallion, but came humble, fully God and fully man, and yet he humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. This is what we remember. So we have three stations, one in the back and two on the sides here. I'm going to pray, and then you're invited to come take your elements back to your seat. Father, Lord, thank you doesn't even seem like it's in the ballpark of the right words, Lord, but we have gratitude in our hearts for your son, Jesus. Not a war hero, not one who sought an earthly throne, but one who sought to unify humanity with heaven again. Under your direction. And so, Father, we we humble ourselves before you now. And we remember that the grace that we enjoy costs something significant 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Spirit. Thank you, Father. Dwell in this place as we remember our King. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.